When you think of Abraham Lincoln, you do not think of failure, but you think of success. Abraham Lincoln became the U.S. president in 1860. He made this statement after winning the presidency. I've lost many elections before I actually won. Abraham Lincoln could have just given up after being defeated the first time and allow his failures to dictate his future. But he did not. How about Theodore Roosevelt? He was the 26th U.S. president from 1901 to 1909. And this is what he said in his speech of victory. It's not the critic who counts. It's not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes up short again and again because there is no effort without error or shortcoming. But who knows the great enthusiasm, the great devotions, the man who spends himself for a worthy cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement. And at worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly. So at his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Both Abraham Lincoln and Theodore Roosevelt's names are written down, written down in the pages of American history and shall never be forgiven. Both of these men knew what it was like to fail, but they got back up and they kept on work walking until they finally won. But what about a man called Abraham? Abraham answered the call of God and went out not knowing where he was going. He offered up his only son to Isaac, to God, Isaac, sorry, in obedience. Abraham became the father of the faithful through which we are the receivers of those promises that God made to him through faith today. What about the man called Noah? Noah found grace or favor in the sight of the Lord. The Bible describes Noah as a just man, one who walked with God and was upright in all his generation. And let us not forget Elijah. Elijah was sent to a backslidden people that had turned away from serving Jehovah to worshipping idols which could neither hear them nor help them in any way. But our God can hear us and our God can help us because our God is God. Hallelujah. Elijah went to the prophets of Baal to prove that the gods of Baal were inferior to the true God of heaven. Elijah prayed just one simple prayer and fire fell from heaven in a mighty, mighty way. The fire totally consumed the whole sacrifice that Elijah had prepared, including all the water that was in the trench. Only then did the people say that the Lord, He is God. That the Lord, He is God. What about Esther, the daughter of Abihail? She went in before the king uninvited. She could have been put to death for this, as this was not according to the law. 
you had to be invited by the king before you could enter into his presence in those days. But Esther, Mordecai's stepdaughter, took the risk anyway. Why? Because she didn't want her people to perish. Her words were these, if I perish, I perish. And let us not forget the famous words of Mordecai that echoed from every pulpit around the globe. For who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? And the question I have for you tonight, why are you in the kingdom today? What is it that you want to do in the kingdom today for your God? What about Gideon? He was the fifth judge of Israel. He ruled Israel for 40 years. Gideon was from the tribe of Manasseh. Gideon was used by God to conquer the Midianites who had oppressed Israel for some period of time. Gideon was asked by God to find a group of cho choice men that were willing to go up and fight against the Midianites. 32,000 men to be exact. I believe in Gideon's eyes, this would have been a great number of men to have standing by your side in battle. Especially when it's going to be a fight for your life. Hallelujah. But this was not God's plan. In God's eyes, 32,000 men of war was just too many. God said unto Gideon, we need to reduce this army, Gideon. There are just too, men, too many mighty men here because the Lord didn't want any man to think that he had gotten the victory over his enemy by his own hand. The glory belongs to Jesus. The glory belongs to Jesus. Hallelujah. God told Gideon what to do and how he was to select the men that he had chosen to conquer the Midianites. Gideon tell the men, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return to his own home. 22,000 men departed from Mount Gilead that day because they were afraid for their life. This left Gideon with only 10,000. 10,000 is not too many, but 32,000 men by my side in battle seems a lot better to me. Yet the voice of the Lord came unto Gideon once more. Gideon, there are still too many mighty men here. Bring the men down to the water's edge and I will test them there. Judges 7 verses 5 to 7 it says, So he brought down the people unto the water. And the, and, and the Lord said unto Gideon, Everyone that lappeth of the water with his tongue as a dog lappeth of, of water, with his tongue as a dog lappeth, sorry, he shall you set by himself. Likewise, everyone that boweth upon his knees to drink. And the number of them that lappeth put in their hand to the mouth were only 300. But all of the rest of the people got down on their knees. They forgot about what was actually afar off. Instead of lapping and watching what was going on. And in our spiritual life and our walk with God today, we need to keep our head up 
because we don't know what is coming our way. And when we put our head down, we can be distracted. We can be discouraged. We can be overcome with sin and worries and anxiety and problems of this world. But when we keep our eyes upon the hills and when we remember from whence cometh our help, we know that it cometh from the Lord that created the heavens and the earth. He's the almighty God. He's the all-powerful God. He's the all-knowing God. He's the majestic God. And He can do super abundantly above all that we dare ask or think or ask Him for. So sometimes uh, we got to keep our eye upon Jesus uh, and we got to call out to Him because He's wanting to minister. He's wanting to do something miraculous in someone's life today. Don't be distracted by what's going on over here or over here, but keep your eye on Jesus for that day cometh when the Son of Man will come in the clouds of glory. Hallelujah. Praise God. Jesus, we love you, Lord. We love you. We appreciate you. Verse 7 says, And the Lord said unto Gideon, By the three hundred men that lappeth will I save you, and deliver the Midianites into your hands. Really, God? I had 32,000 men. Then 20 walked away. And now you've left me with 300. How am I going to conquer my enemy with only 300 people? God's ways are not your ways. My friends, you need to look to God because He will give you victory over your enemy. He will give you victory over your addictions. He will give you victory over your problems and your worries. Don't be distracted in these last days. God's not interested in numbers as we can see through this account of Gideon. Gideon led the Israelites to a great victory that night because God was with him. Every step of the way, even though his army was reduced to a mere 300. If God is with you, the scripture says, who can be against you? Who can be against you? No one. Because God is with you. The name Gideon in the Hebrew means fellow or hewer, which actually means a warrior. When the angel first appeared to Gideon in opera, the angel said unto Gideon, The Lord is with you, thy mighty man of valor or strength. So with that thought in mind, I want to preach from this thought tonight. It's not by power. It's not by power and it's not by might, but it's by His Spirit. It's by His Spirit. Praise God, praise God. In the preceding verses leading up to this well-known narrative of Gideon, we read that Joshua has just died and that there is no one to lead Israel. There is no king in Israel at this time and people are doing whatever is right in their own eyes And because of this, God's people are in bondage because of their backslidden state. Israel has fallen into spiritual idolatry once more. And because of this, the Lord has delivered Israel into the hand of the Midianites. Why? Because Israel has transgressed the Lord's commandments by serving other gods. God deserves our total and whole worship. He demands it in His Word that we will set no other foreign gods before us. But He is the Lord and we must worship Him in spirit and in truth. 
Hallelujah. The Lord in turn raised up judges or to govern or rule Israel in those days. Yet Israel would still not hearken to the appointed judge, but went a whoring after other gods to the point that they corrupted themselves more than what their fathers had done. They ceased not from their own doings, nor from their own stubborn ways, Judges 2 tells us. The Lord tested Israel in those days whether they would be faithful to His commandment by not worshipping other gods. I wish I could say they did. But still, Israel would not hearken to the Lord's commandment. Therefore, the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and He delivered them into the hands of Cushan Rishathayam, who was the king of Mesopotamia in those days. Israel served, served Cushan Rishathayam for eight long years. These are God's people. We're supposed to be free. But they disobeyed God. They wanted to go after these foreign gods that could never hear them and do anything for them. And God judged them because of that. The Lord heard the cries of His people while they were in captivity, whereby He raised up a deliverer. Therefore God sent Othniel unto them. Othniel was Caleb's younger brother. Little is known about Othniel, except he accepted the challenge to capture the city of Gerath, scepter to take Joshua's daughter as wife. Othniel was the first judge or ruler sent by God to deliver Israel from their captivity. Othniel had no ability of his own, except he was a good man and that he was a very brave man. But the scripture does tell us Something that encourages me. That the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. That's something to get excited about. That's something to be encouraged about. We're not living in the Old Testament. These narratives are there to encourage us, to strengthen us, to remind us of the power of God. But in the New Testament, God fills us with the power of the Holy Ghost and with fire. Hallelujah. The land also had rest for the space of 40 years while Elphmiel was their judge. The second judge was Ehud. He was from the tribe of Benjamin. Ehud was left-handed. This is an extraordinary statement that the writer has made here. Because in the Hebrew, the word Benjamin means son of my right hand. Yet we read that Ehad was left-handed. And for you Bible scholars here tonight, that's something to think about. Ehad devised a plan on how he would kill the king of the Moabites and how he would deliver Israel from their captives. Ehad would present his gift to the king in private. And once everybody had left the room, he had took the dagger that he had made. And with one powerful thrust, he thrusted the, the dagger into the king's belly and he died. And because of Ehud's bravery that day, 10,000 Moabites fell by the hand of Israel. Israel had, had peace for the space of 80 years while Ehud ruled Israel. The third judge was Shemgar. Shemgar was the son of Anath, 
He was from the tribe of Benjamin. Scripture tells us that he used an ox goad for a wedding. For a wedding? I'm not getting married. For a weapon. Hallelujah! No one picked up on that, only me. Praise God. An ox goad for a weapon. It was about three meters long with a sharp metal point on the end. An ox goad in this present day would be called a cattle prod. Its primary purpose is to use for driving oxen and cattle and animals in a forward motion. Shamgar didn't have a sword like his enemy, the Philistines. But he used what he had in his hand to defeat 600 Philistines that day. He used a cattle prod. Can you imagine this man in battle? He's using this cattle prod. He's just, you know, poking these men and they're just falling over one by one. There's something to think about. How can this be? Because God was with him. And it was God that gave the victory to him. Just like God will give every one of us the victory in here tonight. Don't let the enemy quench what he's doing in your life tonight. But allow the Holy Ghost to move upon you. To order your steps. To direct your path. Hallelujah. This narrative reminds me of Samson. Samson killed a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. Samson didn't have a sword to fight his enemy like the Philistines. But I can tell you what Samson did have. The scripture tells us that the spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily and he killed a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. If he can give Samson the victory with an animal's jawbone, he can give you the victory today over your circumstance. Those that are Holy Ghost filled, those that are tongue talkers, those that are washed and born again according to his word. Victory didn't come through Samson's own strength. And neither did it come through his own ability. Just like it will not come through your own ability in this place today. Victory only came through the Spirit of God that came upon him. If God didn't show up when he did, Samson would have just been another statistic that died in battle and would have been quickly forgotten. Some of us here need to stop fighting a spiritual war in the flesh. Because I got news for you. You're not going to win. You're not going to win, but you need the power of the Holy Ghost resonating within your soul. That's why God's given us the Holy Ghost today. So we can be victorious. And we can overcome sin. We can overcome things in our life which we cannot normally when we're in the natural or living in the flesh. We need the Holy Ghost today. That's why God said He was going to pour out His Spirit in the last days. And we're in that day today. Ladies and gentlemen, hearken unto this preacher's voice. Listen to what I'm saying. God's coming back. And you've got to be ready. You've got to be filled. You've got to be overflowing. Your dam needs to be busted. That tap needs to be turned on fully.
Aleluia. Zechariah put it this way. It's not by might, my brother. It's not by power, my sister. But it's by my spirit. It's not by might. It's not from our own strength or ability. It is not by our own power. It's not from the authority that others might give you. But it's only by His Spirit, His providence, His authority, His power that we can have victory in our lives today. Power and authority comes from God alone. Courage comes from within. Valor or strength comes from knowing your God personally and knowing assuredly that He is able to keep you all the way to glory. The fourth judge was Deborah. She was the only woman judge of Israel. And she was also a prophetess. And she was the wife of Lapidoth. Deborah held court under the palm tree of Deborah in those days. And she must have been a great, great woman. As people came out to see her to be judged, they did not go to her according to the scripture. The palm tree of Deborah was between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. The Bible says that the spirit came upon Deborah as she judged and ruled Israel in those days. The Lord told her to prophesy unto Barak, who was the son of Abinon. He was the captain of God's army. Barak was commissioned by Deborah to take 10,000 men from the tribe of Naphtali and Zebulun to fight against Jabin, who was the king of Canaan. We read that Barak was afraid of the enemy's iron chariots, and he refused to go up to Mount Tamar unless Deborah, the prophet, went with him also. Basically, Deborah told Barak that he would not receive the honor for this God-given victory. But the honor would go or would be given to a woman. The Lord defeated or dis discomforted Caesarea's army that day. Caesarea was the commander of the Candonite army. He fled for his life on foot after he realized that he was defeated and he tried to hide in the tent of Herber the Kenite. He didn't know that Herber's wife, Jael, was on the Israelite side. We read that Jael basically nailed Caesarea's head to the floor with a giant nail. Not a nice way to die. Hallelujah. And it was a great shame for a general in those days to die, to be killed in battle in those days. Not to be killed in battle in those days, sorry. Especially to be killed by a woman. Hallelujah. I want to encourage every woman of God, every Pentecostal born again woman of God and those that are serving God faithfully in God's house tonight. Don't let anyone, don't let anyone tell you that you cannot be used of God. Because God wants to use you. 
Hallelujah. In these last days. Upon my daughters and upon my handmaidens will I pour out of my spirit in those days, saith the Lord. For who knoweth whether thou art come into the kingdom for such a time as this? God is reaching. He is drawing the women of God unto himself. Because he wants to use you. You have a mouth to speak forth his word. And God has called every one of us into this place for such a time as this. I encourage you, I implore you, allow God to use you in these last days. It's not by our own power, brother and sisters, nor by might, saints of God, but it's by His Spirit that we have the victory today. God has never chosen men and women because of their exceptional wisdom, nor their military might, nor their skillful leadership techniques in leading people. God has always and always will continue to use ordinary men and women like every one of us in this place today to accomplish His will in these last days. A shepherd who fled from Pharaoh's wrath David, who was the youngest son of Jesse, became the king of Israel. Amos was a shepherd in the area of Tekoa, was called by God to be a prophet to Israel. God is still calling men and women to step forward, not for them to step backward. A plower man, a Shemga or Elisha, who God used mightily to bring about change in Israel's history. Simple fishermen like Peter, John, and Andrew, who were called by God to be fishers of men, women, and child. 1 Corinthians 1, 26-28 reads, For you see your calling, the Apostle Paul speaking to the Corinthian church, brethren, how that many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confine the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised, God has chosen. Yea, the things which are not to bring to naught things that are. Why has God said this? Why has God used this man Paul to speak this unto the Corinthian church? That no flesh should glory in his presence. Hallelujah. That's why the Lord's given us His Spirit. It's not by our own ability. It's not by our own power or what I can do, Peter McCallum. But it's by what He can do through us if we allow Him to use us for His glory. And He will receive the glory. We don't have to wait for the Holy Ghost to come upon us as they did in the old days. But the Holy Ghost will move through us in this New Testament time and He will use us mightily. We will lay hands on the sick, the Bible says, and they will, they will recover because you need to stir up the gift that is within you. Stop living under the bushel, so to speak. Let your light so shine before men and be that witness that Jesus desires you to be in these last days. It's not by power, church. It's not by might, but it's by His Spirit that we're able to conquer any minionites that are in our life 
today. The Amorites, we can beat them too because God is on our side. He's given us the victory already. Victory does not and will not come in our own power, our own ability and our own preconceived ideas. Our victory is dependent and always has been upon what has already been done for us upon the cross. Jesus won the victory for us. That's the only way we can have the Spirit of God was after His ascension into heaven and when He sent the the promise of the Father onto us. So in conclusion, everybody said hallelujah. For seven long years, the Midianites prevailed over God's people. When Israel planted their crops, the Midianites came and devoured them. They left no substance for God's people. The Midianites were like a swarm of locusts, the Bible says. that could not be easily numbered. They came to oppress, to destroy, and to plunder the land of Israel. And this brings us back to the beginning of the narrative of Gideon. Gideon was threshing weed on the wine press in an attempt to hide it from the Midianites. Even though this man was surrounded by his enemy, he remained outside threshing wheat, and this got God's attention. I want to tell somebody in this place tonight, you have God's attention. His eye is upon you tonight. Hallelujah. Don't listen to the voices that you can hear anymore. It's time to start listening to the still, small voice that speaks unto you. Hallelujah, Jesus. The angel of the Lord said unto Gideon, Though mighty man of valor, the Lord is with you. Gideon's word were these, O my Lord, if thou be with us, why then has all this befallen us? Or why has all this this horror and this, this... These problems come upon us. Why are we oppressed by the Midianites now? The Lord looked upon Gideon and said, Go in this thy might. Or understand, understand this, Gideon. I will deliver the Midianites into your hands. With just those 300 men, I will give you victory. Just by God dwelling in your heart tonight, brothers and sisters, God will give you the victory. You've got to start believing it. You've got to start standing upon the promise of God's Word today. Because God is coming back in a time that we least expect. No man knows the hour or the day, but He's coming when we least expect it. If we can't believe that God has filled us with the power of His Spirit, how can we believe that God is coming back? It's not by power. It's not by might, but it's by His Spirit. Before Gideon entered into this battle, he wanted to be certain that he was in the will of God. And that's wise. And that God was totally in it. So Gideon put God to the test. Firstly, with the wet fleece or wool. If the ground be dry in the morning, Lord, and the fleece would be wet, then I know that you are going to use me. But that wasn't enough for Gideon. He wanted more proof. 
If the ground be wet and the fleece be dry in the morning, Lord, then I know that you have called me to deliver your people from the hand of the Midianites. And God responded to Gideon's request that day. Let's stand. Gideon, I will give you the victory over your enemy by just the 300 men that lappeth water as a dog lappeth water. And Gideon divided the 300 men into three companies and he put a tr trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. And he said unto the 300 men, Look on me and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that as I do so shall ye do. When I blow with the trumpet and all that are with me, then blow ye the trumpets also on every side of all the camp and say the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. The Lord gave Gideon a mighty victory over his enemy that night. It wasn't because of Gideon's own ability, nor was it by his great leadership skills. Victory only came through the obedience to God's command. Victory was not by might, nor was it by power, nor was it through one skill. Because he doesn't want any flesh to glory in his presence. But by the faith and obedience to the command of his God. Victory will not come through your own might, brothers and sisters. Nor by your own power. Victory will only come through the indwelling spirit of the Most High God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Some of us will know Brother Kevin and Brother Grant from the Southside Church. Sorry to keep you standing for so long. But when I first came to the Lord some 17 years ago, I met these men because I was a DJ. I met these men standing at the doorway. Grant was there and Kevin were there. And they were big, solid, muscly men. They weren't little as you see them today. And this little DJ walked up to the doorway. And I thought they were massive, giants. Why have I said this? Because it doesn't matter about our own human ability or what we think we can do. The only way we can be victorious in these last days is to walk in the power of the Holy Ghost, to be filled with His Spirit, 